Welcome to Being Schooled. Being Schooled poses several questions. How can school adapt to serve students in a world that allows access to any knowledge at any time in ways more suited to you and at any pace that you prefer? How can school better prepare us for a future where change is accelerating and ownership for continual learning is more important than ever? Being Schooled is inspired by William and Thomas. In this podcast series, William and Thomas share experiences and insights with contributions from guests and current thinkers on the topic of what it means to learn and be learned in contemporary society. And we're here today with uh, Carly Parsons, uh, and we want to welcome Carly to our, our podcast today. Carly is the vice principal at Sir John A. Macdonald Secondary School. Carly's a dedicated educator who's uh, served in teaching and administrative roles. Um, she's an advocate for innovative approaches to teaching and learning. Carly actively seeks to create collaborative communities with a focus on improving learning. Um, Carly is a co-founder of Innovate Ed, and along with um, uh, Sandy Miller, um, Innovate Ed has been co-founded and dedicated to reimagining education to better prepare our students for a rapidly changing future. Carly's leadership has championed professional development that inspires participants to innovate and transform their teaching through professional learning and development that is self-directed, authentic, and collaborative. And, and that sounds that sounds really uh, inspiring. So, Carly, William, and and Thomas, and I would like to How's welcome you here today. Hi, hey, hi, everyone, and thank you for that very kind uh, introduction. You make me sound a lot more impressive than I feel. So, thanks for that, and thanks for <laughs> inviting me here to talk to you all today. Well, we're we're, yeah. we're really uh, we're really happy to have you here. It's really a pleasure to have so many different guests with different perspectives. And you certainly bring that both from a standpoint of an administrator who's involved in, in supporting learning with your teachers and students and your community, and also a very interested learner yourself and trying to promote that within a community of uh, fellow learners. So interesting to hear your perspective. We've been talking a lot about uh, student-centered learning. In fact, that's the focus for the podcast, of course. And we're kind of drawing towards the end of a lot of our discussion. We're trying to listen to what people have said. We've been thinking about the guide that we've developed, which outlines some thoughts as to how we might proceed. But we're really interested in your advice about what you think um, uh, would be helpful for William and Thomas to think about, and probably more importantly, for students currently in the system or entering into the system who are seeking a more personalized education that they can take their ownership for and they can direct. So what are your thoughts about that in terms of your advice, Carly? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and uh, I think number one, I would say that students should really not be afraid to advocate for this and to enter into those conversations with their teachers, I think is the first step. You know, oftentimes uh, when you get into a classroom setting and you get your syllabus and the course outlines there, as a student, you might feel 
like you're in a box and you have to follow those steps and there's really nowhere to go. But a lot of the time, teachers are far more willing uh, to stretch their thinking and engage in that type of learning than you might expect. So for me, I think the first step really is that conversation where you look at an assignment or you look at what's going on in the class and you say to your teacher, you know, I'm really interested in this and I wonder if it connects this way and here's what I'm thinking. And that really is a delight uh, for a lot of teachers to hear that students have that interest. And, And I think when you can show that and when you can engage in those conversations, it it helps teachers to realize that this is something that's valued by students and that students really want to do. And so that initial ask and conversation for me is that first step and entry point in Hmm. for sure. Okay, great. Um, So you, you, you talk about that, the entry point there Um, in your experience as a, as a vice principal, how often do you see that happening in your school? Uh, is, it, is it really common? Yeah, so excitedly, more and more, I think teachers are starting to realize the value of project-based learning or um, you know, human-centered design. And we're seeing teachers really start to become a lot more willing to take risks and to let go of the control that you need for this this type of learning. Uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, I came uh, into Sir Johnny McDonald to SGM with the um, iLab, the Highlander iLab being an established program there. And that program uh, was co-founded by Sandy Miller and uh, Jennifer Shortreed and the team uh, at SGM. And it's really um, a high school version of a startup incubator hub where students are learning um, in a way that's that's not typical or not common. It's focused on global, global competencies. They're mashing uh, two different courses together. It's a team teaching approach and they're working in almost a startup way to develop a project and to work through from beginning to end using community partners, mentors, uh, and, and almost a completely different way of doing things. So Uh, Being able to see that uh, happening at SGM and the way that students and teachers in the community have really embraced that program has been really neat. And that has then spread out into the rest of the teachers in the school who are starting to take more risks. We have an amazing teacher, uh, Brooke Sharp, who is a business teacher who is doing design thinking challenges and pitches, bringing in guest speakers, one who was even on Dragon's Den into her uh, business and entrepreneurship classes and running these amazing design thinking sprints. And the students are responding. Yeah. Sorry, that was long winded. You're cutting me off. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not cutting it off at all. No, 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 no. I just like to, I like to interject. No, no, no. Keep going. No, that's thoughts. it. That's my answer. Is that it's, <laughs> it's happening more and more. And I think that sometimes teachers uh, feel like it's daunting and that they can't do that mm-hmm. because they have to give up that control to the students. And you, yeah. you all know, you've all been through high school. Teachers like to be in control. We like to stand at the front of the room. We like to deliver our lesson. <laughs> And when we have to give that control to the students, it's scary because we feel this great responsibility to impart learning on you because we are charged with helping you make it to graduation and then on to what's next. And what I think teachers are starting to see 
is that when you give up that control and you stop being that sage on the stage and you take more of a mentorship or a coaching role, the students just flourish and it's less work for the teacher with better results in the end. So it's been really neat to see that realization happen. Yeah, I think I think that's a great that's a great take. We've we've been we've been talking a little bit about that in the in the past for sure. Also of the power imbalance, right? Like as soon as as soon as the teacher kind of stops seeing it as like a, the teacher is teaching, and all of a sudden it's just a it's just a kind of a communication back and forth. That's really really awesome. It's pretty cool that you have um, that there's evidence, right? Like we've theorized a few times. We're like, yeah, well, I mean, that's just our opinion. How could we know for sure mm-hmm. unless it's put into practice? you know, practice. And, um, we've seen with the, you know, future readiness program at Waterloo and exactly in your example that, you know, people have put it into practice and it's yielded (laughs) results. Oh yeah, Mm. absolutely. And even, you know, our, our iLab launched in February, uh, mere months, a mere month before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Ah. So here we are with these big plans and they're going to win a, you know, an internship (laughs) with, um, you know, with Laurier and it's going to be awesome and guest speakers and bringing the learning out and the learning in and then COVID hits. And we're like, Oh my gosh, we have to take this program in this beautiful library where we were going to do, you know, everyone together unmasked and sharing. And now we have to take it virtually. And you know what? It, it was still a huge success. Students took it virtual. They still did their projects. I mean, they were coming up with hand-washing pods where there's water and soap in the same pod, uh, which actually is a genius idea that I wish they would take to market, but it still worked because that mindset was there, that openness and that focus on skills and global competencies, which you don't need to be in a room in desks to do, right? Yeah, and that's actually funny. I mean, like, yeah, like we're seeing as as COVID kind of hit, more and more companies are like, wait, hold on a minute. Why are we having people commute in an hour every day when we can just be on Zoom? What a waste of time, mm-hmm. money, resources. So, I mean, it's definitely definitely shifting the way we kind of look at work out. I mean, obviously also the way, the way we look at education too, right? Um, how have you found definitely at, at, at SJM, I'm just kind of intrigued because Will and I just finished high school, right? So we kind of caught like a little bit of online courses. Uh, I'll be honest, from my end, I sort of went, you, all right, you did. Up here. You, you did. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was I'm saying like, I was supposed to do four credit co-op. Oh yeah. So what happens is I just gave a quick video of what I was mm-hmm. up to for the few months. And then they just gave me my mark after that. But I didn't do a single online course after COVID because I was already in supposed to be in co-op. Mm-hmm. Like it got to the point where they were giving us marks for doing dishes, laundry. I was like, "What? Like you're gonna <laughs> give me marks for doing all that? I'll just, right. I'll just show you. I don't wanna, I don't wanna give you an itinerary of what I've been doing. I'm just gonna kind of walk through my farm, record it, and be like, bam, there you yeah. go. Like that's should be evidence enough, and yeah. and it was. So. Anyway, um, but yeah, but yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah, but like from 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 my end, it was just kind of it was super disorganized. I, I wasn't really doing much at that point. Pretty much decided, my, like my marks had been had been decided, so I kind of just went on. I was working. Um, how have you found like kind of starting this year, this has been full swing COVID-19 pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? Like some people are in school, some aren't. How has that kind of affected the way that you guys have gone about learning, obviously, because there's less sort of, from my perspective, I'm assuming there'd be less emphasis on something like a curriculum 
like, you know, certain guidelines you have to hit because it's like, listen, you know, we get it. Students might not have the time or energy or availability to be able to be learning the same amount in the future. And then how does that then kind of show us that there are trends moving forward that allow us to lean less on the curriculum if we can prove we can do it right now? Yeah, a great, great question. I would say um, that the WRDSB did a really great job of priming administrators, teachers with this idea of going in with a trauma-informed lens. So we are not uh, status quo right now. And so we need to strip away, you know, Thomas, you talked about, you know, driving in and the waste of time and energy and resources to get in to the classroom. Well, all of that was stripped away with COVID-19, right? Like all we had was the bare bones of the classroom, the teacher, the students and the material and all that noise, that extra noise was gone. And so you're right. It was more of a focus on, on what's most important. So looking at the curriculum and saying, how can we, because also we're in quad master, so everything is compressed, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, which is off an awful way to learn. Like I can't even imagine learning for you biology in eight weeks all day long. Like that's no way to learn. So our teachers had to then look at the curriculum and say, what are the most essential pieces? And what are some creative ways that I can figure out if the students are acquiring this knowledge. So uh, instead of the tests and the quizzes and then doing them all over again, teachers are having conversations, teachers are observing and using. So, um, you know, William, you talked about uh, it being enough to talk about doing dishes and, you know, the evidence you're providing. Well, a huge focus on evidence and where we can find that evidence of learning in, un, in non-traditional ways. And so it's really taken that pressure off to hit every single expectation in the curriculum and look at it more holistically in terms of what learning is happening and how can the students articulate that learning back to us? And then how can we assign that mark? And really, again, I, I'm a huge um, advocate of using the global competencies and and teachers were looking like where's the critical thinking where's the global citizenship you know where are all all those future ready skills that you talked about that Mm. we know are essential to bridge the gap into moving into the world of work uh yeah i have a question what do you mean by global competencies (laughs) Like, I, I don't really understand that okay. phrase. So when we talk about uh, global competencies, and I'm going to pull them up here just so that I don't uh, forget any of them when I go through yeah, Wilson, them. Wilson, what's that? going to hit you with some bars here. Some, 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 <laughs> some straight facts. we got a whole list. So <laughs> global competencies or 21st century uh, competencies. So um, Ontario has actually a document that talks about, oh, wow. you know, these skills and these transferable skills that we think that students really need Mm -hmm. to succeed when they get into the world of work. So um, we are, where are they right now? You guys can edit out my, as I'm searching, right? So critical thinking, communication, collaboration, creativity, and innovation, right? And so those... (laughs) That blanket statement of global competencies is really your ability, (laughs) right, to take what what you've learned in a math class, 
And when you go into the world of work, if you know how to uh-huh. do a quadratic equation, probably matters way less than if you can use that critical thinking skills that you use to solve that quadratic equation to help diffuse uh-huh. a situation. Or if you tap into that creativity well, to help you solve a problem to generate more sales in the job that you're in, that's really what employers want. So that's what we have to start teaching. Yeah. And I agree. Like if you look at Henry Ford, he had what up to a grade three education and, you know, look what he's done. Right. And he said, I don't really need to know all these things. I can hire people who know these things. He was a, he was a good leader. He cared a lot about the people that worked for him and he innovated. And I guess the only reason I was giggling before is because like, I totally agree with what you said. I just don't really understand the name global competencies. Like I don't get why (laughs) they named it that. Like engineering global yeah you need that well, everywhere in the world just, like you know, most whatever. most things you need everywhere you are like it like every every society needs basic you know education so i just don't really get well, the name that's semant- that's why I was, you're, you're that's why speaking I was my language yeah. william it's all semantics <laughs> I, you know yeah it doesn't really it doesn't really make much sense to me <laughs> and we we like you know we're as teachers we really like to yeah. name things and categorize mm-hmm. them and it just you know it helps us <laughs> stay, uh, stay on track for sure. But yeah, it's, uh, it's really important to help to shift teachers thinking from kind of those hard skills of solving a math problem or being able to, you know, write a five paragraph essay. That's not what the world wants anymore. They want you to be able to pivot. That's a dirty word these days. Think on your feet and be able to, to, <laughs> I guess I guess Thomas and I aren't up with the time. Well, Mark will <laughs> agree with me. If we hear the word pivot yeah. one more time in education, everyone's uh, pivoting all the time. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, I have one other question. It's it's kind of unrelated. But um I actually went oh. to SJAM for a summer school mm-hmm. program. And I remember walking in there being like, oh, my God, this high school is awesome because it was, you know, it was it was freshly built. Right. It was Mm -hmm. a relatively new high school. And that and I was just wondering, do they still have football tables? (laughs) Well, not right now, because they've all been removed because of covid along with the piano and anything else that is a touch point. But yes, we did. We do normally uh, have foosball (laughs) tables. Yes. Awesome. And I have another question. What exactly is iLab? Because like I, you mentioned something about a, a scholarship and, um, you know, like, uh, I mean, um, an internship, it? An internship yep. it was. Yeah. And I just like, I've never heard of that yeah. ever before the iLab. You, thing. So have, if you could yeah. kind of tell yeah, me what it well, is. Well, you've never heard of it before because it actually is the first program of its kind in uh, Southwestern Ontario and, and probably all of Ontario. So it, like I said, it, it's a uh, a high school version of a startup incubator hub. And so Sandy Miller, who is a vice principal as well, um, he's in the distance learning program now, but he was at SGM. He um, and uh, Jennifer Shortread and the whole team at SGM had this idea to create a program that is focused on this startup mentality. So leading students through design thinking process uh, in order to um, come up with a final product or a service. 
And so students apply to the program. It covers your um, English credit and then an, an IDC or an IDP credit. So it could be like business or science. There are three teachers. That's yep, so there are awesome. three teachers that work together to team teach in the program. Students um, apply to get in. They get themselves into teams and then they work through the design thinking process. They also are in book clubs. They're also doing discussions. They're also doing curriculum material that connects to the curriculum, but in a way that's not so prescribed. So a huge focus on collaboration, mm -hmm. communication. And awesome. then the, the other piece that's so important about the iLab is the community partners. So uh, I assume that you're all from the Waterloo region. It is the Silicon Valley of Southwestern Ontario. This is where the innovation is happening. And Sandy saw that and, and uh, he said, you know what, we need to start doing this in schools because we are right in the center of where this amazing work is happening. How can we bring it in? So he connected with Vidyard, Communitech, Laurier Launchpad, Velocity Garage. Um, all of these amazing community partners that were so eager to come mm. and to teach and to mentor these high school students uh, in this experience. And then what it was supposed to culminate in uh, before COVID hit would, would have been a big pitch night hosted at Communitech. And then the winner would have got um, an internship for the summer. So of course we've had to kind of again, pivot uh, in that. Uh, but you know what? They, we did virtual mentorship. We did, um, you know, guest speakers were Zooming in instead of coming in. The field trip part has had to go on hold, but it's a completely new way uh, to learn. And uh, I think one that is an amazing bridge and it's accessible to all students, which is, which is the other thing that I wanted to say here before you kick me off your podcast is that Project, <laughs> project-based learning, inquiry-based learning, um, human-centered design is also a really amazing way to enter into some equity work, right? Because we are allowing all students that opportunity to tap into their passion. And when you allow a student to do what they love, of course, with guidance and mentorship and coaching, uh, they really come alive. And so the, this kind of learning uh, can really help our most at-risk students because they're learning about things that matter to them. They're investing yeah. in learning for learning's sake instead of because we told them to. So really for me, it comes down mm -hmm. to equity and it comes down to that ability to um, embrace all students and, and all of their gifts. And so I, I did, you know, want to say that piece as well, because that, that is finally starting to come more to the forefront of, of education as it, as it should be. So. Great. Well, uh, I, actually, I actually really agree okay. with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, like uh, just to add a little bit on that, I, I read a lot of leadership mm -hmm. books. It's a topic that I, really interests me and, that's something that I find perpetuated across all of them is the fact that, you know, the, the old like do it because I'm your superior or do it because I told you so never works. And it certainly never worked for me. Like I remember I would have teachers who would just be like, you have to respect me. You have to do this just because I'm your teacher. And I'm like, well, I always saw it as respect being kind of a two way street, right? You respect me. I respect you. Everything's good, right? I always thought respect was uh, earned, not demanded. Um, and that goes both mm -hmm. ways, right? But um, just to bring me back to my point. Oh, my gosh. I'm losing myself here. 
<laughs> brings it back to the point is, you know, like, it's exactly as you have to give people responsibility and ownership for what they're doing. Because if you just don't provide a motive yeah. and you just tell them do it because I said so, it's kind of empty and hollow to them. So I really like that, um, that that's kind of being experimented yeah, with. It is. And so, it, and yeah, awesome. and, you, and we really hope that it can continue and continue to, you know, inspire students to, to think a little bit outside of the box. And, and like I said, it, it spills over, right. You see this great work happening in the iLab and then other teachers are like, Oh, like this is really working. I can take this. And that's not to say that this isn't going on in schools all over the board because it is, we just need to, I haven't heard of it happening in SGM's the only school. Well, there is no other iLab. The iLab is at SGM, but project-based learning, inquiry-based learning is, is something that people have been doing for a really long time. I I think it just needs to become more mainstream, more talked about and more popularized Mm -hmm. if, if that's the word. And it takes people like Sandy, who's a real visionary and an innovative thinker and then administrators like, Jen Shortread to say, yes, let's try this mm-hmm. and let's take this risk. And when you have that kind of leadership and that kind of vision come together, it that's can trickle awesome. down into your staff and then into your students. And that's really why we're here is for the best experience for our students. Yeah, actually, uh, wow. while you guys were talking, I uh, looked up the SJAM iLabs <laughs> Twitter and I was just looking around. Um, it's I new. It's had... new, Tom. Tom <laughs> no, 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 it's no, no, new it's, Twitter. It's awesome. It's awesome. It looks great. I saw you guys had on um, Dr. Judine Preddy, which is yes. kind of funny because we actually we actually had her on the podcast. So oh, that's did really you? Cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool to see that you guys are getting also just speakers in sort of the like cooperative work field, mm-hmm. right? Especially especially from a university, right, where people kind of respect that perspective and 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 are going to then be more open. To that idea of uh, of like cooperative and uh, integrated education, so that's that's really awesome. It sounds like you guys are doing some really really cool stuff. Um, that's really really great. Yeah, I know. If I had that, I'd mm-hmm. have been all over. <laughs> like that have been that have been probably the sole reason why I ever gave a shit about school at all. Like probably in my in my experience, like I'm obviously not most, but like that just for me, it would that would have been. I would have been all over that. I would have been awesome. Well, maybe one day you can come back and you can be a teacher in the iLab, William. I don't know what your career plans are, but uh, gotta, gotta prob- probably not. <laughs> yeah, mentor. True. Yes. There you go. I think uh, one thing I'd just like to um, interject as well is we've been talking a lot, Carly, about, um, you know, we've we've been talking about these opportunities we're hearing about from different individuals in different schools, mm-hmm. different classrooms. And they've been, you know, really inspiring and, and you know, just r- really um, speaking to us as an audience. And But we've also been talking about, well, you know, how do those opportunities, how do we provide those opportunities so that, you know, every student has access to that? How do we bring about, you know, more change in a system? And And part of what we've been confronted by is this idea of fear and that, you know, oftentimes students feel restricted because they need to follow the curriculum and, and do, you know, what the teachers laid out, which is in turn driven by teachers who sometimes feel I've got to cover a certain amount of content because my department head expects this. And the department head in turn says, well, we've got to keep up with the, the Joneses down the street or you know, like, this is what the, you know, is expected to go to university. And my 
my vice principal or my principal may be coming in to inspect. So there's this whole sort of cycle. Yeah, like what's, and it, what's Carly yeah, going to say about and it? And it, it sounds like, um, you know, you've done some work, uh, you know, to break that down. You made reference to leadership, administration, and so on. And I was wondering, from your perspective as a, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a vice principal, how, how you how, how you address those kinds of fears or those challenges of barriers to bringing about change uh, or to uh, enabling uh, people to be able to do what they what they might want to do but somehow felt restricted before what what kind of things mm-hmm. do you think about in your role as administrator yeah so I've been really lucky uh, to come through with some real um, forward thinking visionary administrators who have helped to show me the ways that we can work within the system to provide those opportunities. So at uh, Cameron Heights, which was the school that I was at before I became an administrator, I had uh, Vice Principal Dennis Hayde, who started um, what was called the Century 21 team. So again, William, you'll laugh at these you know, acronyms and big names, but uh, looking at these 21st century skills, <laughs> Uh, And uh, with Dennis, he really allowed us to create a PD plan for the teachers that gave them the opportunity to pick a problem, develop a solution, work in teams. So whether that was looking at the delivery of certain, you know, works in English and flipping that on its head and trying something new, giving teachers that time and space to collaborate, to define, you know, a problem, to do the empathy work, to brainstorm, to iterate. Uh, And that was our PD plan, right? That was a a priority at our school was innovation. And so, you know, working on that team uh, with with Dennis and and the team that he put together, and then when he left, having a chance to help lead that team myself has really influenced me. And then coming to SGM, obviously this serendipitous placement with, with Jen and with Sandy, who was doing that with his staff at SGM. And it has to come from the top down because you're right. Teachers do need to feel like they have that permission and it's okay. So if I come into your classroom and you're not, you know, giving a unit test, but instead there's post-it notes all over the room and students are drawing on, you know, cardboard and they're, they're putting things up, but the learning is still happening. We, we have to reimagine what that looks like. And so I think wow. it's providing frameworks for staff to see the things they know in those boxes that we've, you know, uh, come up in our career working within and being able to like open those boxes and take the doors off of, you know, what was and show that it can still be those things, but in, in a new way that gives more agency to the students. So it's, it's permission and support for sure. I'm going to oh, cry gosh. out of inspiration. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> that's uh that's truly amazing. I mean, like if there's anything I've learned throughout this whole podcast experience it's that, you know, I started it with a pretty glum Aww. view of it. Like to me, in my eyes, I was like, pff, like, I, I didn't really think about, you know, I didn't really think about anyone trying to affect a change in the education system. And I didn't really like it never really crossed my mind again. Like once I was at a high school, it wasn't really my problem. But, um, you know, I never had th- imagined that there'd be kind of so many people that I've met who, you know, agree with exactly what I thought and kind of kept those thoughts to myself <laughs> throughout high school and are kind of progressively working to create a structure in which this can be implemented on a broader scale. 
So I just, I think it's awesome what you're doing over there at S Jam, and I, I commend you and, and thank you mm-hmm. for what you're doing. Well, you're, you're welcome. And uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're about out of time, but if there's any last like comments or anything you'd want to leave with the audience, you know, before we go is, is there anything? Yeah, like I, I just think that uh, I would say to just, to continue to, to advocate for what, what really drives you and what lights you up. Like, you know, William, your cereal, the way that you're taught, you know, (laughs) right. Like that passion. I do love my cereal. You need to just, you need to trust that and, and you need to, you know, say it and, and speak your truth. And, you know, eventually it's going to land on someone that's going to listen and say, yes, I'm going to let you try that. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you do that because I think educators are by nature helpers and, and advocates. And I think that even the most rigid teacher that, you know, you, you talk about that demanding and respect, even that most rigid teacher got into this profession because they love kids and they want to see kids succeed. And so I just would, would urge students listening to this to keep trying until you hit on that nerve in that teacher because it's there and they really want to help you. And so just to not give up and to keep, to keep pushing for, you know, what you love and, and yeah, I'm not crying. I just need some water. I talked a lot here in this. Yeah. Tears. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really inspired. I will say that. <laughs> um I mean, that's about all the time okay. we have, but um, I really thank you, Carly, for coming on. It was a great talk, and um, I'm sure it's resonated with a lot of people listening. Well, thanks so, for having thank me, and thanks much. for what you're all doing. I think this is, it's yeah. it's really awesome. You're putting yourself out here, and Mark, for helping to lead uh, with, the, although I don't know who's leading who in here. These are some, <laughs> some strong kids, so not kids, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, what you mean. Thanks, Carly. <laughs> Young, Young people. people. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, have a good one. Right. That was great. Yeah. Do I just leave now? Yeah, Do I just log just out? Bail out. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, you can just leave. Okay. Oh, you hang oh no, I hope that was okay. <laughs> you know, if, feel free to edit or what. You know, if there was anything that didn't. It's all. It's all Remy. We don't. We don't even. Okay, good. Yeah, we've hired him straight from Capitol Studios to do all this work, so he's going to do a good job. Anyhow, thanks again, Carly. Mm-hmm.